I can't I can't even think of one that's close to cheese. Like like bird isn't that good of a nickname, but it's so much better than cheese, so. Hello everybody and welcome into another edition of Talgo TV, the only podcast that reads Harper's magazine. I'm David Oro, joined as always by my friend Tom Shively. Tom, it's another week. We're back. End of season two of The Wire, but first, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, you know. Great, great season. I know we slept on it early, but uh, came around in the second half, so pleased with how it ended. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, this this season started off really slow, and you and I were kind of bashing it. it. It really did come around, and I, I think the ending of this season wasn't as strong as the ending of season one, so it we'll, we'll get into, you know, which one maybe we think is better toward the end, but I, I think it became a lot closer than I thought it would be as the season went on. Yeah, I think season one, the, the last couple episodes were... We're pretty climate, but yeah, we don't have to get into all that. I think the the subplots and kind of it being a little bit deeper in season two definitely played into it as well. So they did a lot of good things. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's get into then some of the things that happened in these episodes. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with the, let's start with like the, the drug dealing and the territories. Cause I feel like that's the, the least that has something going on. Uh, really only thing that happens on these episodes is that Stringer and Proposition Joe from the East Side work out a deal where some of the guys from the East Side are going to sell drugs out of the towers. You know, he's going to give up some of the territory so they can get a better product. Avon is basically vehemently against this, doesn't want them doing it at all, but he does it behind his back, which forces Avon to bring in uh, Brother Muzone, who is basically another what's he's more muscle because they don't have any muscle at this point because all their muscle uh is behind bars whether that be bird or Weebay, they're all behind bars so they bring him in he runs the east guys off eventually they're able to bring him back and it's just a really weird situation there with avon and stringer just not seeing eye to eye at all these last couple episodes yeah and i think we talked about this before we started but it had kind of been building to it a little bit i think with Stringer thinking of it more business-like. And I think they even say it in the last episode and Avon is like, it's just the streets. And so I think that's kind of where the, they don't necessarily get along. And and Stringer does in his mind what he has to do because Avon is in jail. So Stringer is in charge and he kind of views it as I got to take care of it and I got to do what's best for this. And it's just, and I can't blame him for thinking that necessarily. And the most interesting part was the whole Omar saga where he brings Omar in to to kill Brother Mazone and then Omar realizes that Brother Mazone wasn't behind Brandon's death and is like, wait a minute, like I'm being set up and you kind of see that and Omar gets the bigger picture and you maybe didn't see him get in the bigger picture in past episodes, but like it just proves again how smart he is and you got to imagine that those two are going to link up somewhere down the road and kind of be a, a power a power group well yeah especially because brother muzone says to stringer when he's in the hospital that you know he knows who he has to go after he doesn't need to tell stringer who the people are he's going after and i think part of that is he's going to handle his own business but part of it too is he knows stringer's the one who set him up he knows he's the one who he has to compete with now and you know that's somehow going to get back to avon and it's the thing you and i have talked about over and over again this season but they're clearly they've they've laid all of the groundwork now 
for Stringer and Avon to have some sort of beef going into season three because you know Avon's probably going to get out of prison in season three based on the timeline they had set up in season two. And so he's going to be out and then it's going to be a clash of egos, if you will, where, you know, Stringer thinks this is a legitimate business and he knows how to run it better than Avon does. Where Avon, he gave you his whole philosophy. It's the streets. We got to do what we got to do to stay stay up. That's our territory. We can't give any of it up. And it will be interesting to see how those two interact once Avon is back in a, a real position of power. Because I noticed as the season went on, he was grabbing back some of that power. It seemed he was giving up the Stringer at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you get those moments where it's, oh yeah, Avon is still in charge. And I think the whole Mazone situation is is kind of the poster for Avon's power that he still has. All right, well, let's talk about then some of the big character deaths in these last couple of episodes. Uh, the first one that happens is with Ziggy. So Ziggy is working with uh, George Glicus, one of the Greek guys at the video store, and he ends up killing Glicus because basically he doesn't pay him out the proper amount that he was supposed to uh, for the cars that he was giving him. Uh, that leads Ziggy to go to jail. There's a couple really nice moments with him and his dad where, you know, Frank wants to try and help him. But, you know, what what did you make of, of what happened with Ziggy and him killing one of the members of the Greeks crew? I couldn't say I was surprised by it. I think you that kind of encapsulates Ziggy's rashness that you see throughout the season is like you know him sitting in the car banging his head against the wheel and then ultimately pulling the gun out going in there just like he he's always kind of acted out suddenly and impulsively and 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 you see a lot of that butt up I really did like that scene though with his dad where uh he's like they're just talking at like the interrogation table and he just goes like I'm tired of being the punchline of every joke like I had to go take care of business for myself and and i think it's one of those you see where he's coming from and yeah i couldn't say i was surprised by it but you always kind of figure that ziggy was gonna somehow put a wrench into the grand plan and and you know you see how nick handles the news you see how frank handles the news and it's just like one more thing that ziggy did and it's it's just got to be frustrating for them but again you see where it's coming from yeah but i i I felt I think that's my thing. I felt really bad for Ziggy because he was all season the punchline of every joke for everything that happened. And to see him reach that breaking point like that where, you know, he just wasn't going to get pushed over again. He he was going to get what he felt was his. And, you know, it, it was just sad to see him push to that point where he felt he had to do that in order to regain some... some um, so he could regain some respect and you see basically right away he's remorseful and he tells the cops everything they would want to know gives a confession immediately that is signed and he's prepared to do his time but it's just it's sad that that is where Ziggy ended up this character who was so fun just really fun loving really loved life and it, it just felt like the characters in the show really took away a lot of his joy and that was just that was sad to see from a character who was the most fun in this season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then then a couple episodes later, I think it's one episode later, you know, Frank and all of them are getting hit by the police. They're all getting arrested. After he meets with Ziggy, though, he decides to go over and after some some helpful persuasion from uh, Officer Russell, he decides to go and talk to them. And after he talks to them, the information is entered into an FBI database. He then ends up going to meet with the Greek. And that episode ends on a 
uh, a fade out shot of him walking down the pier and you open next episode frank had been stabbed multiple times had his throat cut and you know was killed for speaking with the police and not you know keeping his loyalty to the greek and it i mean it was brutal the way they killed him yeah you see like the inside guy that the greek has i to me, that was like the moment they showed that guy and he had a Greek last name. It was like, yeah, he's working with them. Like it's, I, I, I like the twist where he like wasn't actually in the agency. I just figured he was like an agent that was on their side, but the other guy had like been in DC for a year, but I don't know, just the Greek always seems to be a step ahead and he's kind of, he reminds me a lot of Avon in like the first half of season one where He's kind of behind the scenes of a lot of things. You know, he doesn't... The, the police don't even know who the Greek is until Nikki points him out in the last episode. Like they don't know what he looks like or anything. And kind of that covertness of... You know, Frank is a dead man the minute they, they fade to black there. You know he's not going to make it. And just the Greek, you know, comes off as this kind of like timid foreign guy. But at the end of the day, he's he's just as brutal as anybody else out there. And, and he has to be for the way he runs himself. Well, I, I also really love the quote... Uh, when him and Spiros are talking about leaving the country and the Greek says, the quote is, I'm not even Greek. And it just, it adds to the air of mystery about the guy. Like we don't know anything about him and we've just spent an entire season with him. We know he's got money. It's basically all drug money or, you know, stolen goods. It's just that kind of stuff, but we still know nothing about him. He's now going off to a, a country in Europe. They don't even say his name when he's at the airport. Like we, we know literally nothing about this man. And it's just, he's so interesting to me because you brought up Avon. I felt like he was smarter than Avon was because he never presented himself as the front man. You know, Avon would be out there and his name was all over everything. It was Barksdale's crew. These people worked for the Greek. They didn't know who the Greek was. He didn't often show his face around anywhere. He used front men to book hotel rooms like they did in uh, episode 11 of season two. And he was just a character that was always three steps ahead of everyone else. It was always ready for whatever was going to come his way. Yeah, and I think you still see a lot of that. Do you think he's going to play another part like later in the season? Do you think he's coming back later in the series? I think he'll probably come back later in the series. I'm just not sure... Because it, it seemed like one of those things where they were setting up like he needs to take some time away, but he's not going to be away forever. Like he's going to come back and he's going to continue to do his thing. He strikes me as the ultimate bad guy of the show, if that makes sense, where we're going to be hunting the Greek until the show is over because he was the one person. I don't know if you noticed when Lester was taking all of the names and pictures down off of the cork board. The only one he left up was the Greek. He left him up there with his picture and it just said the Greek, which to me just foreshadows that he is the eventual number one target that we're trying to bring in. It's him. It's Stringer because they weren't able to get Stringer in season one. And it's probably Proposition Joe, but to a lesser extent. I think Joe probably won't play as big a part in later seasons, but I could be wrong. I'm interested to see how the Greek would come back if he does because like, it, it feels like his connection to Baltimore is kind of evaporated because he doesn't have Sabol Sabatka to like smuggle in his goods anymore. So kind of how he goes about conducting his business now that he you know we don't know where he goes but now that he's back and on the international scene obviously he had he was routing stuff like through Greece through the Netherlands so he's obviously got connections internationally and 
I, I think you're right. Like, it's not going to go away, but he's not going to be a focus, at least in season three, probably. Well, the other thing, too, with him, I don't know if you remember this, but the end of uh, the season, uh, end of episode 12, they do their normal montage to end out the season. And in that montage they're doing, they show that somebody is offloading girls and drugs out of a a back, you know, a a cargo shipping container again. And so like, where did they get that container? Who are they working with now? It it just seems like he's still going to have some role to play. It's just going to be some different faces who are the front men for him. I'm I'm just curious, like if they like kind of what you said, if they do bring him back, what is his role? And is it one of those things where he becomes Avon's main supplier and they kind of cut out proposition, Joe, I'm just very curious what the, what the tie-in could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Avon and Proposition Joe are, are can be around together for that much longer. So it, it does feel like Joe is going to be cut out eventually. Yeah, just because, I mean, Avon made it pretty clear he didn't want to do it anyway. And you have that really cold scene where Stringer is visiting him in prison. And, you know, he does his normal thing where he, like, puts his fist up on the glass. And Avon really does not want to reciprocate that same move. And he just gives like a very nonchalant tap on the glass and hangs up the phone pretty aggressively. And you can just tell he's not happy with the way Stringer is running things. And that he, I, I think on some level, Avon sees him as being a little soft. I, I don't know how you read it, but that's how I read it. I could see that because I think Avon is looking at it like, you know, I'm doing all the time here. I'm, you know, taking a hit for a lot of this stuff and, and you're just going to, skate by and not listen to me i think he looks at it as a little disrespectful too that stringer is just kind of going and doing his own thing but honestly i'm i'm on team stringer like i think he's got to do what he thinks is the best like without avon i think ultimately it's gonna lead to stringer taking over i don't i don't think avon is is gonna win that battle when they square off yeah i think yeah, I would agree. I, I also think Stringer's a better character, so I want to see him do more things. Like, I just fair. like, like, Idris Elba's the better actor, so it's not really fair. But, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Uh, the other big things that happen in these four episodes are really just all about drug busts. You know, they're able to uh, make raids on the prostitution ring, make a lot of arrests on people who are working for the Greek. And really the only people who make it out of the season, not in prison are Nikki, because he's going to be in witness protection. It sounds like, uh, the Greek himself and Spiros. That's it. Everyone else is in cuffs going to jail. And it's a lot like season one where in the end, they're able to get everyone. Not everyone though. Not everyone. Who are, who are we forgetting? Well, you just said they didn't get the Greek, oh. they didn't get Spiros, and like they didn't get Stringer. Like that, they're able to get most people. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. They, it, it's like there's always one like there's fatal. There's a parallel, thing. yeah. Like it's yeah, there's always one thing that like keeps them from being able to bring uh, everyone in. Now, like I'm thinking about it, one of the other big points of emphasis in these last couple episodes is the focus on both Kima's relationship and Daniel's rel- and. I guess Daniel's marriage now that they are back on the police force. What did you kind of make of, I guess we'll start with Kima and the conversation she ends up having with her partner, you know, when they're looking at strollers and sippy cups and whatnot. I think it's, I think it's Kima doesn't really want to make the commitment and Kima, I think still finds herself very much dedicated to what the cops are doing and kind of wants to always be at the forefront of the cop effort. And that's naturally not something that, is going to go over well once 
once her partner has the baby. So it kind of kind of drawing that line between being a family person and and taking the job. And I think, you know, Kim has worked with McNulty and he, you know, was never really able to handle that. And now she kind of sees, you know, his relationship with his family stinks. And I think she's a little worried that she's going to go down that path as well. And like a lot of the other people, we don't meet anybody else's family really besides Daniel's. So we don't have a ton else to draw on other than other than that. But the Daniel's one's always been very interesting to me. I love those interactions because there's something going on there. Because if you remember like episode three of the first season, somebody tells McNulty that Daniel's is dirty. I don't remember, like, I don't remember the contacts that well, but they're like, they're like passing by in a car under the inter- the, the FBI or guy. something. Yeah, it is the FBI guy. That's right. And so that there's always, there seems to be something underlying with those conversations that he has with the wife. He's like very secretive, but like she's kind of in on it as well. So I, I could see something developing there. Well, the the interesting thing, because I do think their relationship is a lot more interesting than Kima's, because like you said, Kima's is all like a commitment thing. She doesn't seem like she's totally ready to commit to being a family person. But with Daniels, like the last we see of them, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms. And that is just such a change from the last time we see saw them. And it's not surprising necessarily, but just to kind of see that from them, I think it, it just reflects strongly on how much she did not want him to go back to the police force. And for him to still be there, it clearly is putting a strain on the marriage. And you have to wonder if at some point in next season, are we going to find out that Daniels and his wife are no longer together, especially now he's going to be running this this special crime unit with, you know, McNulty and Lester and all of them. It, it, I hope Bunk is also on the crime unit, but I have a feeling he's going to go back to homicide, which stinks because I loved his dynamic with the team this season. Bunk is the scene where Bunk shows up is is phenomenal. It's it's like shaking his ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I I think like there's just so much there with with Bunk and, and the crew. And obviously what they're what the show does very well is they're able to change their focus often but not lose sight of what the show is about. You know, they they change their focus from Avon and his crew to Sabaka and the Greek this season, but you never really lost the thread and you never really lost the the those moments that I think you and I really loved with the police force and really continuing to get to know those characters that we got to know so well in season one. I, I would say the one guy, this maybe I'm wrong on this, I felt like there was a lot less mcnulty the last four episodes like he had been relegated to lesser roles those last four episodes other than the you know when they take down the prostitution ring it was like very sabatka heavy very like officer russell uh like freeman and lieutenant daniels probably were like the main focuses so i think it's good that you can still have a strong show without having to rely on mcnulty i think they did that really well also, I uh, got to shout out my guy Prez for punching Valchek. My favorite part of the last four episodes. I Valchek is my least favorite character in the whole show. I, I hated that storyline. It it just oozes like police corruption and willing to do whatever it takes to just get my means if I'm Valchek with without looking at the bigger picture. And it's so it's so frustrating to see that when everyone else is so dedicated to you know this is a bigger case. We can get more out of this. And you saw. 
you saw it in the first season with uh, I forget the guy's name in the first season, but a similar storyline where it's like personal interest is kind of outweighing the bigger picture, and I think that's the theme that they, they really wanted to hit on, and they've done well. Yeah, I, that's the. It's funny you bring that up because in the first season we get it a little bit where you know the person is he's a driver for the senator, and then they bring the senator in, and he like kind of loses his mind over the fact they're even considering looking into where the money's coming from. Season two really dives heavy into you know, thanks to the union, they dive heavily into what it takes to get senators to do what you want and approve X, Y, or Z. And they really dove deep into that. And they dove really deep into police, the police corruption angle, you know, between Valchek and him, uh, you know, literally only wanting this detail to get back at somebody who uh, like put a stained glass painting or whatever stained glass yeah. window in a Very church petty. yeah yeah and then it was that and then also you know the fbi guy we've already talked about i think they have started to look even more into the corruption angle and i'm curious how many more layers there are to peel back of the corruption angle because i'm sure if they want to it, it could go as deep as the show honestly wants it to go i don't think they're ever going to lose focus of baltimore though i i think and i could be wrong here but uh... I think based off the first two seasons, they're going to kind of have a new focus for every season. And I think one of the last three is going to be corruption within police at some point. And I think we're building to that, you know, whether that's the FBI level or whether that's, you know, Baltimore within itself, you know, inner department, whatever it may be. But I feel like we're building to, to that focus, at least for one of the seasons. But then like Barksdale and, and, you know, the Sabakas of the world will take more of a back seat. So it'd be interesting to see how they do that. But I, I do think we're building to probably one about police corruption and then maybe one about political corruption I could see as well. And they might even try to loop that all together because you could argue that those two would go hand in hand. So we're interested to see what the next focus is. Well, the, the angle could be something to do with the towers. Because remember at one point in season one, they had talked about how that one senator was trying to do like a reclamation project of the towers and that could be their tie-in because that would directly tie that senator to avon and then you have both in one storyline as opposed to having to shift your focus away from avon you can have both in the same story were you surprised i kind of feel like barksdale and sabatka would have like overlapped more in the second season i I was a little surprised that there wasn't any connection there i kind of thought we'd be building to that well, yeah, they they kept them extremely separate, and I, I was a little surprised that eventually, like, there wasn't some Avon and the Greek connection. I was actually expecting that to come at some point, but it, they just kept it to, you know, the Greeks' connection is with the East Side people, and that was then the tie-in over to Stringer, but, you know, you never got much farther than Stringer meets uh, Proposition Joe. He, he never actually meets a lot of those people who are working for the Greek, which I thought was an interesting way to go about trying to handle it is to really alienate, alienate Barksdale and his crew as opposed to keeping them close and in the fold. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. All right, Tama, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that uh, is on your mind that, you know, we want to hit before we wrap up season two? More Omar in season three. I mean, I I think we're building to that, but all the Omar. Yeah, there was a real lack of Omar in season two. And, you know, the moments you did have of Omar, whether it was early on and he comes back and he he is able to rob that one drug dealer or whether it's later in the season 
and it's his stuff with Brother Muzone. I, I think all that stuff was great with him, and I think you've already hit the nail on the head. I, I think we're going to get some sort of Omar-Brother Muzone team up, and part of me is still really hoping, even though he's such a great actor, that those two team up against Stringer because I just I just think that has all the makings of a great storyline of those two versus Stringer and maybe, I guess, on some extent, Avon. Yeah, I mean, more Idris Elba, more Omar. I, I solved it. That's all we need. All we need. And, and a little bit more McNulty. I, I need my boy uh, McNutty back again. Bubbles, nice uh, nice ambulance theft there at the end. That, that That's low even for him. Like, what are we doing, Bubbles? Come on. Well, and Kima says that too. Like, like really, Bubs? Like, you're stealing morphine out of the back of an ambulance? That's what you're doing now? And I think it's... Like, Bubbles wasn't a big part of the second season. It was the thing I kept saying to you that, like, what do you even do with Bubbles? Like, there's not a lot to talk about with his character anymore because you had the whole tried to get clean in season one, doesn't get clean. And their solution for it was just not to put him in the show that much. Like, he had, what, three scenes all season? It was McNulty early on where they were trying to find Omar. It was once they found Omar, you know, he's trying to, like, steal the grill at the Marine units, uh, (laughs) at their Marine units headquarters. And then... It's the stuff where he's stealing the morphine out of the back of the uh, ambulance. That's it. That's the only times we, we see bubbles all season. He does turn into a... He does, like, link them to cheese. So he does play a, a decent enough part there. And I think that's just kind of who he's going to be. Like, I, it's almost like D'Angelo a little bit. You kind of have gotten your peak of, of bubbles. And, like, what do you do from here on out? Not much, probably. Yeah, and, and the solutions at that point are either to kill him off or just like have him as a random character who pops up here and there uh now i'm thinking about it you said cheese who is the worst nickname on the show because i would venture it might be cheese cheese is a tough one who is it that goes oh no it's uh it's brother Mazone that is like talking to him and he's like you go by cheese <laughs> it's just like making fun of him for that so yeah it's tough and then he's he's like, well, Mr. Cheese, uh, these towers here are owned by Mr. Barksdale, and uh, it would be wise of you to step off. And then he immediately shoots him. I can't I can't even think of one that's close to Cheese. Like like Bird isn't that good of a nickname, but it's so much better than Cheese. So I'll probably go with that. Yeah, I think Cheese has it by a mile. Who who do you think has the best nickname? Because I think it might be Weebay. I don't know why, but I think Weebay is a good nickname. Stringer is also a nickname, so. I think Proposition Joe is a really good nickname. I think that's my favorite. I, I don't like him, and I think I'm I'm like I'm reflecting you don't like the that nickname because yeah, yeah 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 like I'm reflecting that on the nickname as well, despite the fact it's a pretty good nickname. I just don't like him. He yeah, he's, he, in, he, he's come off as weird. Like he it's weird how he fits in. He's like he's kind of he doesn't seem like he belongs in like the drug ring. I don't know why. The, maybe that's why like. You don't see him as much. I don't know. He's just, he's a very strange character. Uh, even like his stuff at the end with the Greek, or not the Greek, with uh, Spiro, where him and Spiro are talking and he's like, so uh, I don't think I caught it. Where are you going? And then Spiro just, just doesn't, yeah. doesn't say a word, just throws his cigarette and keeps moving. And I love it. All right, Tom. Well, that uh, wraps up season two of The Wire. Uh, If you've enjoyed it so far, make sure you go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you've liked about the show, what you haven't liked about the show, and let us know on Twitter as well. All of our Twitter pages, including 
our own personal Twitters are linked in the show notes of this episode. Next week on The Wire, we start season or on Talgo TV, we start season three of The Wire. Uh, it will be the first four episodes of season three. A season three also has 12 episodes. So we'll do four, four, and four for our breakdown once again. Uh, Tom, any final thoughts? Uh, Brother Mazzone, Gus Fring. We talked about it yesterday when I, when I saw you, but the Breaking Bad parallels are, keep coming up. Yeah, you can tell Breaking Bad really took a lot of inspiration from the show when, when Gilligan, I don't know if he's ever talked about it, but I'm sure Vince Gilligan would be open about the fact that he was inspired by this. Also, while we're talking about Breaking Bad, shout out to Bob Odenkirk, happy that he is doing okay after his heart attack on the set of Better Call Saul. Uh, still haven't watched Better Call Saul, but people have told me it's better than Breaking Bad, so you know maybe I'll have to watch that one next. Uh, and also, shout out to Ted Lasso, two episodes through season two, and it continues to warm my soul. I've not seen episode two yet, but I'm excited. I'll probably watch that after the recording tonight. All right. Well, you gotta gotta get on that. You got you gotta get something that's like a something lighter when you're watching. Exactly. The Wire. Getting going into Monday morning, you know, you wanna get the positive vibes going into the work week. So I'll have to do that. Well, po- more positive vibes coming next week uh, for Talgo TV. That's Tom Shively. I'm David Royal. We'll catch you back here next week for another edition of Talgo TV.